Good job. Go to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Some of you came late without a Bible. We forgive you, but knock it off. I'd like to welcome everyone watching in China. Say something Chinese. <laughs> Just trying to think of my best Chinese words. But I have to go with chow mein. <laughs> Sweet and sour chicken. (laughs) If I put on my Chinese accent, someone's going to get offended, huh? (laughs) All right. Everybody good today? Let's start over. (laughs) Second Thessalonians chapter 2. I want to continue today with a series we've been in for a little while now called Last Day's Survival Guide, and I hope to equip and prepare each and every one of us to be ready for anything that comes, because the scriptures tell us there's some, some junk that happens in the world in the last days, and you, want to make, you and I want to make sure that what happens around us doesn't happen in us. Uh, that what happens to people in the world is not include us because we want to live in the blessing of God, stay faithful and true to Him all of our days. This verse, Second Thessalonians 2 and verse 3 reads, Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first and the man of sin is revealed, the son of Perdition. So not only can we be aware of and expect, not for ourselves, but that there would be a falling away in the last days. Uh, Paul told Timothy that in the last days many will depart or some will depart from the faith. Jesus said many would be deceived in these days. And, and so we are preparing our hearts so that we're not among the casualties and so that we can be of great assistance to individuals who are tempted to turn away, who are falling for the traps the enemy has laid for this time. We know the last days have been around for a couple thousand years now. Uh, Lord's time frame seems to be a little bit different than how we perceive time. And and these are the last days, but as we uh, pay attention to the signs of the times, the, the fulfillment of prophecy, we can see that Man, we are getting close. There is stuff happening all around us in the world today. And and, and none of us should be caught off guard with sudden changes. Hmm. We might not like it. It might not be comfortable per se. But none of us should be caught off guard if things in the world change quickly. we're, We're seeing it speed up, aren't we? We're seeing changes happen quicker and quicker and quicker. And a lot of those changes are very ungodly. Okay, and so we don't want to be those who are among those who are pulled in with it, but we are going to fight against that. We are going to resist and we are going to stay faithful to the Lord. We've been discussing a number of different reasons as to why 
people will fall away, why they do already, and why people will fall away in the last days. Uh, We've talked about how they love this world, how they don't love the truth, they become offended, how individuals' love grows cold. And then also, we began sharing with you last week about deception. Okay, like I mentioned, Jesus said in the last days, there will be many people that are deceived. All right, the deceived person is usually the last to know it. And so we want to take precautions and and stay on our guard to make sure that we are personally not deceived. Okay, and some might think, well, how would you even know it? I mean, if you're deceived, you don't know you're deceived. So how, how can you even prepare for that? Really, the scripture does give us some very strong uh, keys, I guess you will, to, uh, to help us to stay safe and not fall for the traps that the enemy has laid. You remember I began giving you reasons, or let me say it this way, groups of people that are most vulnerable to deception last week. I said to you, number one, that the simple are, are, are among those who are most vulnerable. The simple. When we say that, that, simplicity, it has to do with those who are not grounded in the Word of God. Those who don't have an established baseline of truth in God's Word. They may have heard it, but they don't continue in it. Okay, They may know a little bit, but they frequently do not practice it. And they therefore set themselves up to be vulnerable to deception. How many remember uh, when Jesus taught... Matthew 7 is one of those places when he taught the parable about the wise man and the foolish man who were both in the home building business. Remember? And uh, in, in, in that discussion, he talked about how the foolish man built his house upon the, the sand and the wise man built his house on the, on the rock. And, uh, of course, the storm came, same storm came to both the wise person and the foolish person. But one person went under, one person lost their home, the other person, you know, just had got their hair messed up. You know, one person got their house cleaned off with some rain and, and, and so forth. It wasn't really a problem. But different results uh, because of the different approach they had. Why would someone take the time in building a house, why would they take the time, spend the extra money, uh, all the effort needed to build on rock as opposed to sand? You know, dig a foundation. Why would they take the time to, 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 to get it really solid into the ground versus the person who's just going to set it on top? Well, the simple answer is they recognize, because it does cost more, right? Remember, it costs more, more, energy, more effort. They recognize the potential and power of the storm. They don't ignore that, but they recognize that if the storm comes or when the storm comes, if my house is not properly founded on the rock, I'm going to be in trouble. The foolish person, apparently, they don't think anything, anything bad can ever happen to them. Right? 
They're not concerned. They're not concerned about the storm. That maybe they don't believe in the storm. Maybe maybe they're confessing there is no storm. Again and again, they're impervious to storms. But that doesn't change the reality. See, here's the deal: the wise person recognizes there are storms and they are coming, and so they do what's necessary to stand strong. To be solid as a rock in the middle of it. The foolish person, they, they skipped the storm class. You know, they, they, were, they slept in that day. Storm? What storm? Everything's fine in my life. And so they don't take the time. They don't take the energy to do what's necessary to stand in the middle of it. Everybody with me today? Okay. Jesus said... In Matthew 7 and verse 24, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to the wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. So we can see what the preparation here is. The wise person, what do they do? They hear the words of Jesus, and they act on them. The wise person hears what the Lord says and does them. The foolish person, they don't do anything with God's words. Everybody okay today? If we recognize a storm coming, we're going to take the time to get grounded in what he says by participating in the directives of those words, by acting on it. Okay, the foolish, listen, like I said, the storm comes to both. It's coming to both people. There are different reasons why people live seemingly carefree of trouble in this world. There are those that they don't think about it. They seem, they they don't seem to have any concern about it. And it's because they have more of an attitude that nothing bad can ever happen to me. They live recklessly. They don't take precaution. They don't take time to prepare. They just kind of live. Sometimes, sometimes this is common amongst uh, teenagers who are just kind of living crazy. And they'll take risks that, you know, maybe they shouldn't take. And sometimes they have accidents and, and, and get in trouble uh, that they could have avoided. But it's not because they're so full of faith. It's more because they have their head buried in the sand. And they don't realize that there are real troubles in this world that can really cause you harm. Okay, there's another group of people, and I think that's a lot of us in here, that we also live carefree, if you will. We're not worried about trouble. We're not worried about tragedy. We're not worried about accidents and all that stuff. But it's not from some belief that we're just impervious and nothing, there's no harm, nothing bad could ever come. No, it's, a, it's, a, it's an intentional belief in the promises of God. Right? We have prepared our hearts. We are doers of His Word. And we believe that the name of Jesus has power, that the Word of God is true, and that as we follow the Spirit of God, He will save us from and protect us from all the perils of life. We're not denying the power of the storm or that it is coming to our, to our existence. But we are believing that the word that we have heard, that we have put it into practice, it will anchor us in the middle of it and we will not be harmed.
And this is the, uh, this is the, this is the approach I want to encourage all of us in. Let's not be deceived by being simple minded. Like, ah, what's the big deal? Ah, nothing bad's ever gonna happen. Oh, everything's just gonna be fine. Why? Why is it gonna be fine? What? Because what? Because we're in America? Because what? We're not living, a, not living in the third world? What, 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 what? I'm telling you, storms can be powerful. They can be, uh, the, the trouble that comes in this world can impact us if we're not ready. Say, so, well, I believe I belong to the Lord and He will never let anything harm me. Well, if that's true, that that's your belief and it's grounded on God's promises, then that is part of your preparation. But again, I just want to emphasize, it's the simple who get deceived. But it, it is those who hear and practice the word who are ready to go. Amen. Okay, and so uh, I said number one, the simple. We're still reviewing. Everybody okay? Number two, we said, you remember? It is the proud. The proud are most vulnerable. They are very vulnerable to deception. You remember the the scripture in Obadiah verse 3. The first part of that, that verse says, The pride of your heart has deceived you. The pride of your heart has, what? Deceived you. It is the proud that don't fight for truth, but they fight for themselves. And if I, re- if I allow a spirit of pride or an attitude of pride in my life, I close myself off to help. Pride always believes it's right. It's not looking for and receiving help from others. I- I'm convinced, and look with me at 1 Timothy 6 while I'm talking. 1 Timothy, the 6th chapter. I'm convinced that the Lord wants to help any one of His children, or all of His children, who are going off track. That He wants to interrupt us, get in our way, to keep us back on track. Almost like the, the bowling alley uh, they, they make for the little kids. When they first bowl. Well, it's got that those little bumpers on the side, right? Can't bowl a gutter ball. Isn't that nice? <laughs> I think the Lord is like, is, is, is like that in, in, with us. In the sense, uh, not that we can't bowl, bowl the gutter ball, but he's, uh, he's over there bumping us back in. Bumping us back in. Bumping us back in. Huh? How, many, how, many, how many need some bumpers at times? Come on, we do. And the Lord in His love and mercy will, will send you some bumpers. Sometimes they have flesh and hair and they, you know what I'm talking about? They're people. They're people with words that'll talk to you, that'll encourage you, that'll inspire and sometimes even correct you to get you back in the lane where you're supposed to be. But let's not be too quick to call people wrong who say things that we've never heard. If someone says it in a way that's different to you. This might surprise you, and you have to take this with a grain of salt as far as wisdom in your own life. But sometimes I will intentionally listen to certain people that I know I disagree with them about certain areas. Because I'm, I want to stay open to hearing something in a different way than a way, way I would normally think. And because they, I recognize they have understanding in certain areas, and I think it can help me. 
But the proud will never, they'll shut off, they'll close off anyone who disagrees with them in an area. Uh, That's just wrong. What they do in the process is they hinder their own growth. Because how many know, if we're going to grow, sometimes we have to be challenged to think different. We have to be challenged to stretch beyond where we've already been. If your relationship with God is the same today as it has been for many years, you might need a little push. You might need a little bump. (laughs) Yeah, but the gutter, it looks nice. It's safe and secure. I get a roll all the way down to the end. (laughs) You might need a little bump, and hopefully I can say things in such a way where it'll bug you a little bit. You know what I'm talking about? Just get under your skin a little bit. If you're proud, you'll just resist it and run away and say, ah, that's wrong. If you're humble, you'll think about it. And you'll analyze it. Huh? See if it's really true. I, I challenge our Bible college students when I make strong statements to push them and urge them forward. I said, don't just accept this just because I'm saying it. If I'm saying something that sounds new, sounds different to you, go look it up. Find it out. Find out for yourself. Study it out. Like the, like the group in the book of Acts, they, they, they were the, called the Bereans. They were praised because when they heard things, they went to the scripture to see if it was true. They didn't just accept it and be, they weren't just gullible just to believe everything they heard. But, but they also weren't proud and said, oh, we can't, we've never heard it that way before. <clears throat> well, the way I grew up is we always did. Well, so what? You might have grown up wrong. I mean, you might have grown up believing a whole lot of things wrong. I did. Believe a lot of wrong things about a lot, of, a lot of areas. Hallelujah. And so, let's be open to other people speaking into our lives. Because some of them, I'm telling you, they're sent from God. And we've, we've got to judge that. We've got to discern. But they are. God will send people to speak into your lives to help you. To move you over. And get you, get you in a, in, in, on the right path. 1 Timothy chapter 6 Verse 3, Paul writes here, If anyone teaches otherwise and does not consent to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which accords with godliness, he is proud, knowing nothing, but is obsessed with disputes and arguments over words. Now watch, you can see how the proud conduct themselves. They're not open for growth, they're not open for change, they're not open for correction, but they want to argue. They want to fuss over, over words. They're always getting into these little disputes and missing the big picture. Missing the main thing. All right. How many know uh, there's a difference in knowing some of the word and knowing the sum of the word? It's, a, it's different to know S-O-M-E of the word and S-U-M of the word. Mean, meaning this. There is, a, there is a, a time to look up words, to have more of a micro approach, and sometimes you can get more insight and revelation by tearing things apart and going in there. But if at the end of that study, end of that discussion, when you back off and look at the sum of the word and they don't agree, you know you've gone too far. Because you can make the Bible say anything you want it to say. You can grab any scripture out and just apply it in a wrong way. And you can yield to your flesh all day long. But when you back up and see the big picture, it helps to 
keep us out of, out of error. Proverbs 13 and verse 10 reads, By pride comes nothing but strife or contention. By what? By pr- In other words, the proud, you know what they like to do a lot? They like to argue. Do you like to argue? Now you know the root of it. Huh? Always fussing, always fighting, always disagreeing, always. Huh? I'm not talking about going in the opposite ditch of being gullible and just swallowing everything and not being discerning. I'm not talking about that either. But there are those who, who are in trouble in our days and they're open for deception. Their pride keeps them from ever having a new thought or thinking different about something that they're doing or some way of, 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 of life. The pride, the, uh, the proud will not receive correction. Does, does anybody in here drive a car? Any, any, any car? Go, got a couple, couple car drivers. Good. How many know even on your way driving to church today, you made a whole lot of corrections? If you didn't make a whole lot of corrections while you're driving down the road, uh, you've already been in a few accidents today, right? But we are constantly, bam, 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 bam. I remember as a kid, just a little kid sitting in the back seat watching my uh, uh, parents drive down the road. I always, I always paid attention. It sounded like they're constantly turning. I would pay attention to that steering wheel. You know how you do it kind of subconsciously when you're driving? Because you're just looking at the road and you're staying on track. But I would pay attention. Why are they always turning? Why don't you just go straight? (laughs) Well, how many know there's similarities to that? And just not, you don't feel like less than or feel rebuked or anything like that because you had to make corrections when you were driving. Why do people do that with the, the little details of their own life? If you're going to live for God, you don't have to take this as a negative, like some kind of rebuke or condemnation, but you need constant correction. I need to constantly be making adjustments in my life. If I'm thinking wrong, I bring it back. Huh? If I find myself going, going wrong, the Word of God brings me back. And a lot of times, uh, these, these corrections are going to come when we're, we're in the situation where we have the potential to be deceived. And go the wrong direction. So the Lord sends us a person to help us. He sends someone else to give us a word. But watch out now. How how does the proud react to that? How how does the proud person react? They get upset with it. Well, you know. They're going to argue with you. They're going to take offense at the very implication. What are you saying to me? You're saying I'm... You're saying I'm not, not, not walking with the Lord anymore? What's the deal here? What's going on? We strike a chord? Are you saying there's something wrong with me? Well, of course. <laughs> but, but you understand. What, is there something wrong with you if you're driving off the road? Well, yeah, you're driving off the road. Not a big deal. Just turn. Huh? Have you, anyone ever had a... a spouse or friend, something with you, and they saved you from a wreck while you were driving? Because you were distracted for some reason, and they went, you know, and they made some reaction, they <laughs> they did something, and you were thankful because you might have bumped into that person in front of you? Were you angry at them afterwards? <laughs> she was. <laughs> But they saved her from a wreck. 
Or maybe she hit him anyway. I don't know. (laughs) But how many know help in those situations should be thanked? You should be grateful for it. Likewise, when it comes to bigger issues than driving, our lives. We should be thankful when the Lord sends someone to help us. Not, what are you implying? What, just because I missed church a few weeks? You think I'm just, think I'm backslidden now? Just trying to help. Seems like you're going the wrong direction. Hmm? I don't know. I'm just looking at, just watching out for you, but seems like that's not a good healthy ha- habit or practice in your life. But you can get mad if you want, but you're an idiot if you do. <laughs> that's when you know them a little bit better. <laughs> you're close and you can call them names. Amen. People sometimes so concerned about their appearance. Remember Ananias and Sapphira in the book of Acts in the fifth chapter and how they sold property and they gave part of it in the offering, but they said, we gave the whole thing. They wanted everyone to think that they were more spiritual than they were, that they were more generous than they were. They wanted everyone to think they're at a certain level and they they even took it to a place. Their pride was so strong, they lied to the Holy Ghost and died in, in, in church. See, uh, concerned about image. What do, what do people think of me? How do I look in this situation? Forget that. I just want to stay in my lane. I just want to stay out of the ditch. I want to stay serving the Lord until the end. I want to have some endurance to my walk with God and not be one of the ones that fall along the wayside. Huh? There are some things that are more important than everyone thinking you're smart and spiritual and, and whatever else you want them to think about you. What's more important is that we humble ourselves and serve God and receive correction, receive instruction from Him, however it may come. All right? So the simple are vulnerable. The proud are vulnerable to deception. Number three, the compromised are also vulnerable to deception. Look at Hebrews chapter 3 with me. Hebrews chapter 3, we're hanging out in this latter part of the Bible to make it easy for you. All right? Encourage you to be writing things down. I feel like I could say things to correct you right now because you might receive it because you know that the opposite would be proud, be pride, be foolish. Know your Bibles. Write things down. Take the things of God, the things of the, of the kingdom of God seriously in your life. Where you, you do things intentionally so you will not forget them. So that you don't wind up in the foolish camp who hears but doesn't practice it. Because you're, you're vulnerable to the storm. So when I tell you to do things like that and I encourage, I encourage you, hey, have a Bible of your own. Look these things up. Study them out. Write things down. I'm not telling you because it's benefiting me in any way. I don't want the storm knocking you down. Huh? I want you to be wise unto salvation. Everybody with me today? Hallelujah. Hebrews chapter 3 verse 13 says, But exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of what? Of sin. What is sin? It is deceitful. It will deceive you. It is deceptive. 
This is, this is the category, this is the kind of person who lives with one foot in the church and one foot in the world. They live a compromised life. They are very open to deception because sin itself will play a number on you. Sin, I, I mean, the, the very idea of, of some of the things that we've done in our lives, we look back and say, how stupid was I? You know, I mean, it's like, why in the world did I think that way? Why did I do that? Why, why would I even go down that path? Here's why, a lot of times, at the moment, at the time, in the heat of temptation, it kind of made sense. You know what that's called? Deception. It's deception when the person who's been married for, for five years, ten years, twenty years, and, and, and then they get in a situation where they're tempted to be unfaithful to their spouse. And for a moment there, it's like, oh yeah, that wouldn't be so bad. Kind of makes sense. And they make a decision to go the wrong way. But at the moment, it seems smart. You know what that is? Deception. Man, that's foolish. You're going to give up everything. You're going to give up your character. You're going to give up your, your integrity. You're going to give up your very word to that person. For what? For this little brief little deal. That's what sin does to people. It's deceitful. It'll get you to make the wrong decision. And think you're right for a moment. Got real quiet during that. Sorry, did I mention the S word? <laughs> These are individuals that are neither hot nor cold. Revelation talks about they be, they're useless. Because they're, they're lukewarm, as, as the scripture said there. We need to be useful for the kingdom. Living a watered-down Christian life absolutely makes you vulnerable to deception. Okay? So how do I fix that? <laughs> Pray. Make some commitments to the Lord. Repent. Turn. Get out. Get one foot out and get in, go all in. I mean, we could talk for hours about it, but that's the bottom line is you have to do business with God and say, I'm tired of playing around. I'm not going to goof around with what's eternal and what really matters anymore. I'm going to live my life for you. Okay, I can't turn that switch for you, you can't turn that switch for me, but I encourage you if you're straddling get off the fence time's almost up it's almost too late you should do it right away Hmm? storm's coming ready ready or not here it comes some of us are going to get our hair messed up. Some of us are going to get our house knocked down. Let's stay strong. Let's be prepared. Amen. Praise God. Now let me finish with this. Let me give you some. Uh, some let me give you some guidelines for discerning truth. Okay, I'm going to give you a bunch of them. I'll try to go pretty quick. Guidelines for discerning truth because we don't want to be deceived in the last days. Number one, if you ever you have a belief, a theology, a, a uh, a concept, does it, number one, contradict the written word? 
That's one of the easiest ways to discern things. Does it blatantly fly in the face of, of what is written in the Word? And that might seem easy and simple and say, well, everyone, all Christians agree with that. There's a whole lot of temptation today for people to undo and remove and take out parts of the Bible that don't agree with society. Or that might get them accused of being, uh, you know, hateful or something like that. You hear about the little boy who went, went to... Uh, went to church one day, and the pastor was at, was at the door, and he was greeting p- individuals. And uh, this, this little boy, all his Bible was was uh, the, the, just the outside cover. Like in my case, it's leather, the leather cover. And there were no pages in it. And the pastor said to the little boy, uh, Johnny, I think his name was Johnny. Uh, <laughs> little Johnny, what happened to your Bible? There are no pages in it. And he said, Pastor, every time I came to church and you told us something wasn't for today, I took that page out. And that's all I have left. <laughs> Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 15 to be diligent to study, to uh, show himself approved unto God, rightly dividing the word of truth, is my paraphrase, all right? Rightly dividing the word of truth. When we look at the word, how many know we need to understand context? We need to understand the immediate context, the testament. How many know New Testament, Old Testament? They're not the same. <laughs> There's a different covenants. You cannot just take your finger, Lord, what would you say to me? That's a good way to be deceived. Huh? That's a good way. We got a whole religion around here. They read their material and then pray and see if it's true. That's a good way to be deceived. Huh? Come on, God gave us a brain. Contradictory statements are not both true. Everybody with me today? Got real quiet on that? That's, for, that's, that's help. That's help. That's not hindrance. All right. Uh, and so we look at context. We look at all these things. Because you can make the Bible say anything you want it to say. If you don't have the right context, and if you don't look what it actually means. Secondly, here's another guideline. Does it produce faith to overcome? Does it produce faith to overcome? If every time you hear a message or continue in a belief system that you have, you are more defeated, you get weaker, you get more unbelieving, uh, that's a good sign that that thing is wrong. If it produces something in you that causes you to rise up, be strong, and believe God, lay hold of all He's promised you, then that sounds like God to me. All right. Uh, number three, does it, does it condemn and bind? A lot of times people saying things in the name of God, and the, at the end of the day, you feel beat up, you feel like a rascal, you feel bound up, condemned. Man, that's not the Spirit of God there. How many know the Holy Spirit is not a condemning spirit? He's not here to make us feel bad. He's here to empower and lift us up and give us strength to carry on. So does it condemn and bind? Number four, does it glorify Jesus? Does it glorify Jesus or does it just point to some personality? Does it just point to some individual where they are lifted up, but the Lord Jesus is not the center of it all? He's not the focus of everyone's attention. Jesus said about the Holy Spirit in John 16, 14, He said, He will glorify me, for He will take what is mine and declare it to you. That's what the Holy Spirit is, is, is doing. He's lifting up the name of Jesus. Number five. Now, you all got real quiet on me. It seems real quiet in here all of a sudden. Is everybody okay? Some of you are feeling bad because you're not writing down what I told you to write down. 
Don't be condemned, just repent. Is he really saying that? Like looking us in the face and saying that? Only out of love. Only out of love. We got to we got to go up higher. We got to be ready for these last days. I'm telling you, we got to be ready for these last days. All right. Number five: Does it get people to look to man instead of God? There are a lot of teachings that go around today, and they're the end of the end result of it is people are more dependent on, reliant on human beings as opposed to the Spirit of God. Some of it is done uh, in the name of in the name of God, some prophetic extremes where you always have to go back to a person to find out what, what God's saying next. You always have to go back to find this prophet where that, that you know to find out what God wants you to do next. That's not that's not right. If it doesn't cause a dependency on the Spirit of God, on the, uh, on the Word of God, then it's not correct. Hallelujah. Amen. You know, I, I think even sometimes when, when teachings about diet and stuff get in the church, I think it's dangerous. Because people stop trusting the Lord for their health. They forget about by His stripes they're healed. And they think as long as I don't eat X, Y, and Z, then I'll live healthy. Hmm. I know people who are health food fanatics that die in their, have died in their 50s. They eat everything perfect. Huh? I'm not telling you what to eat or what not to eat. But even in the days of Jesus, how many know they didn't eat fast food? There's a whole lot of sick people around there. Multitudes flock to Jesus to be healed. Hallelujah. So I don't know if I like this. I'm doing this on purpose. (laughs) Testing your pride. I don't know if I agree. Fine. Meditate on it. Think about it. Look at the scriptures. Amen. Amen. (laughs) <laughs> number six does it cause people uh, does it get people caught up in fruitless works does the belief does the theology does it get ca- people caught up in fruitless works I've seen that happen with extremes in warfare spiritual warfare everything's a, everything's a battle people go through great lengths of deliverance sessions and spend hours and hours and hours in, in, these, in these type of things getting stuff cast out of them and the end of the day, they're the same. That's got to make you question the, the validity of what was going on there. <laughs> I, I really kind of look at results. If what I'm believing and what I'm doing in my life does not work, how can it be God? I mean, how can it be God that I, I live for Him and I do what He says and I'm still sick and broke and depressed and have a messed up relationship and and things just aren't working for me how can that be god and why would i finance it hallelujah i might do the rest of this in chinese because i know they're really loving this
Number seven, does it ignore other truths? Does what you believe, your favorite verse, your favorite subject in the Bible, does it ignore all other biblical truths? That's one of the quickest ways to get in error, is you take a truth and make it the truth. You take something that is true, but then you begin to view every other verse in the, script, in the Bible through the lens of one particular Bible truth. That's how people get off track. And so we want to make sure that we are not pushed to an extreme by doing that. You know, it's like even prayer. You know, how many know prayer is important? I'm going to talk to you about that in a couple of weeks. But prayer is very important, right? How many know prayer is not the solution to everything? Sometimes a person, every time they have a problem, every time something goes wrong, they want everyone to pray for them. You know what? Sometimes it's going to do you no good at all. You can get all the people in the world praying, but as long as you keep doing what you're doing, your activity is going to counteract that prayer of blessing and help and healing and favor and whatever else it is. Say, so, yes, what are you saying? There's no, not uh, great results and importance of prayer? No, it's just not the only subject. It's not the only thing to talk about. It's just one part of it. All right. Number eight, did Jesus teach it or practice it? Did Jesus teach it or practice it? You know, when we look at, we look at scriptures and, and, and people come up with these wild, bizarre stories and they find some Old Testament verse and some event and they come up with a whole new belief system. You know, I heard, heard, someone, heard someone saying that God counts success as when you keep going even after you lose the battle. I thought, that's not scriptural. Where did Jesus teach that? You know, they read about nations and, you know, 20,000 people died and God counted that as a victory. <laughs> no. What did Jesus say? How many know Jesus is one of the most plain and clear things we can read about in Scripture? Simple, plain, clear. There's, there are other verses that are not. We all know that, right? There's some verses in the Bible that's like, huh, what does that mean? And it's figurative and it's, but then there's Jesus. And what he did and how he treated people and how he healed the sick. and how, how It's very clear. It's very plain. And so we always look at what we don't know with something that we do know. Look at what's confusing with, at, with something that's very clear. Huh? Know more about Jesus than Job. Huh? I've just been really studying the book of Job. Well, what can you tell me about Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? And if you can't tell anything or say anything about those... You're not ready to read Job. Praise the Lord. Number nine, is it found only in the Old Testament? It's a good question. Number ten, does it produce good fruit? What, are, what is the end result of, of, that, of a, any particular belief? Is it working for you? Amen. Now, I know I've given you a, a bunch of information in the last part of this message today. And uh, I didn't see a, a way a, a, around doing this. I wanted to give you the material so you have it. But you catch the spirit of what we're, in, what we're doing here today. We want to avoid personal deception. And we do that by not being simple. But ha- being grounded in the word. By not being proud. By not living a compromised life. And when we're doing these things, we we are in a position where we can judge accurately beliefs that are true or false. All right? End result, 
what ha- what's the what's the deal? We're ready to handle anything that comes our way. We're not going to be tricked. We're not going to fall. We're not going to turn away. But we are going to be protected in these last days. Amen. Amen. I have more to say about this. If you're not surprised. And so we're going to get back and, 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 and talk about some real specific things. Really, I think I want to talk to you about being led by the Spirit to avoid danger and tragedy in these last days. Amen. Father, we're so thankful today for your spirit, for what you're doing in our lives. Lord, you are faithful to us, even if we have been unfaithful to you. But we, we yield to you now. We listen to your voice. If we need bumped back into the middle of the lane, Lord, thank you for that. Thank you for helping us. We appreciate that. We're so thankful that you send people our way that you send words our way that will help us to be ready for any storm that may come. Lord, we give you the honor and the praise and thanksgiving. And I believe that you are able to make us stand. So, Lord, your spirit working in us today, working through us, among us, around us, we look to you. And believe that you're faithful today. Father, I pray for those who are not saved. They're not in the kingdom of God yet. If they died today, they wouldn't make heaven. Touch their lives. Draw them to yourself today, I pray in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.